WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. DNA from the invasive silver carp has been found in the St. Joseph River. However, that doesn't mean any of the invasive carp, previously known as Asian carp, have made it into the waterway. Tammy Newcomb with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources tells us the eDNA, or environmental DNA, was found near Marina Island in June. Invasive carp DNA was also found about five years ago in the Kalamazoo River, and it turned out to be nothing. This is not the first time. This, again, is a heavily trafficked area with boat traffic. We're doing due diligence. The Fish and Wildlife Service will be back out there sampling right now, probably on the water right now, doing more eDNA sampling. Newcomb says with all the boats that come into the St. Joseph Marinas from all over, there are multiple ways that silver carp could have been brought in. We have no evidence to suggest like there's any large number of these fish out there or that they this is even a live fish. The DNR is collecting uh, more than 200 water samples this week. Results will take multiple weeks. In the meantime, Newcomb tells boaters and fishers to be on the lookout for any fish that jump out of the water or that look like silver carp. We'll have a link to more information on the silver carp at our website. St. Joseph City Commissioners are considering a possible change to a city ordinance from the 1960s that prohibits the parking of RVs on driveways. At a meeting this week, they were asked by resident Michael Fernandez to allow RVs to be parked on driveways. He said he has he had his RV in his driveway until a dispute with a neighbor revealed it's not allowed under current rules. That's your lifestyle choice. It's what we choose to do. And I believe it's, it's a very reasonable thing for a citizen to want to park their own equipment so long as that equipment does not interfere with any of their neighbors or any public services. It should be something they're able to do. Not everyone supports the idea, though. Resident Douglas Rogers said people should know not to have trailers sitting in their driveways. He said it's not hard to put them in a storage. You put a bunch of trailers in driveways throughout this city, and you open that up, and I can guarantee you it's going to lower property values in this city. Under the current rule, you can park an RV in a driveway if it's in the backyard. A neighbor of Fernandez complained his RV caused other cars parked in his driveway to block the sidewalk. A neighborhood dispute almost erupted in the commission chambers, uh, prompting Mayor Laura Goose to quiet everyone down with a bang of her gavel. Commissioners referred the RV question to the Planning Commission. A change in state law will require Berrien County to adopt a new plan for the disposal of waste. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners today heard from Community Development Director Dan Fetty, who said this new material management plan will replace the old solid waste plan, which governs the three landfills in the county. Fetty said the previous plan was a beast to draft that took a long time and a lot of people. He said the county doesn't want to go through all that again. Having looked at this, we're convinced that on a staff level that we don't have the internal resources to do this. We don't have the personnel or the expertise to draft this plan. We certainly don't have the time to do so. Last time we did this, we had three full-time employees dedicated to drafting and approving the plan. Therefore, Fetty recommends the Southwest Michigan Planning Commission be brought in to develop the new material management plan. The group's Becca Schrag said the new state plan aims to meet environmental goals. The state has a goal of 45% municipal solid waste recycling rate by 2029. This plan across the state will help achieve that. They also are interested in creating needed infrastructure and programs for utilization. They want to move Michigan toward its goals, and this plan will help do so. Schrag recommended Berrien County reach out to Cass and Van Buren counties as it drafts a new plan because they could pool resources, especially when it comes to recycling. The state's providing the county with $60,000 to draft the plan. Fetty said the county commission will receive a resolution to proceed at an upcoming meeting. 
The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has approved an amended agreement with Whiteman and Associates to prepare for major work at the Juvenile Center in Berrien Center. Now, Whiteman's been working with the county to plan for the possible replacement of the aging Juvenile Center. The cost could go as high as $92 million. In the meantime, the county is working to keep the current center functional, with the most pressing need being a review of the drinking water and sewer systems. The board previously approved a $10,000 contract with Whiteman for that review, but it was discovered more consulting services will be needed to develop plans. At today's meeting, the commission approved another $12,000 amendment for that study at the Juvenile Center. It's needed as the county leaders believe it could be quite a long time before replacing the center completely will be possible. Michigan Works is planning its next hiring event for October 4th in Benton Harbor. Michigan Works says it'll have more than 20 employers on hand ready to fill open positions. The employers represent several industries and include First Source Bank, Arcadia Home Care, Corwell Health, First Student, Four Winds Casino, Help at Home, K Manufacturing, Martin Supermarkets, and more. Michigan Works Business Solutions Director Mark O'Reilly says a hiring event in July brought out more than 175 job seekers to meet with 25 employers. He's expecting the event next month to also be a success. In addition to employers, the event will host community service agencies that can help attendees with things like resumes. Registration is encouraged, and we have a link to register for the event at our website. And St. Joseph today is gearing up for the annual Fall Fest, which is set for next weekend. The group's Daniel Crevier tells us Fall Fest gives everyone a chance to have some fun at Lake Bluff Park in a laid-back autumn sort of way. We've got our farmer's market, of course, that weekly market that happens that's going on all day from 9 to 2. Um, then we've got interactive fun in Lake Bluff Park and, again, that corner lot at Pleasant Street. We've got a bunch of local organizations and businesses that will be hosting different family fun free activities for people to do. We've got some Halloween crafts. We've got um, a bunch of ring tosses. There's going to be like a musical petting zoo again. Then the Benton Harbor Sunrise Rotary is hosting their pumpkin raffle. The Fall Fest will also feature story time on the bluff and Remax with a big lake balloon walk. It's all next Saturday at Lake Bluff Park. Crevier notes Fall Fest takes place the same time as the last Love Local Weekend downtown. That promotion features special sales and extended hours from local businesses. And the United Way of Southwest Michigan is bringing back its pop-up giving events with the first to be held next week at Lake Michigan College. The United Way says pop-up giving is when some local nonprofits each make a pitch for a project before an audience. The audience then gets to decide which gets the support. This time around, Be Healthy Berrien, Berrien College Access Network, and 211 will each have three minutes to make a pitch to benefit the community. The audience will have five minutes to complete their ballots to vote for their choice of, win of the winner. Proceeds from all the ticket sales will be combined to create a donation pot, the bulk of which will go to the winner. Second and third place finishers will get consolation cash prizes of $250. Tickets to the pop-up giving event are $25 and can be bought online. We have a link at our website. The event will be at the LMC Welch Center next Thursday from 5 to 6.30. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. President Biden is traveling to India tonight ahead of the G20 World Leaders Summit. ABC's Karen Travers has details on what's on the agenda. Reforming and boosting the World Bank and other multilateral development banks will be a key focus for President Biden when he meets with world leaders at the G20 Economic Summit. The U.S. has accused China of coercive and unsustainable lending to developing countries. The White House says the president wants those nations to have a better option than China for borrowing money for funding for infrastructure and climate change mitigation projects. China's President Xi for 
for the first time is not attending the G20 summit. President Biden said he was disappointed he wouldn't see him in India, but has signaled he'll be meeting with him soon. The White House has not said when or where that would take place. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Military officials say an Alabama senator's hold on top promotions and a clash over abortion policy raises national security concerns. Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville is leading the blockade and warns of a long standoff on hundreds of military nominations. Tuberville wants the Pentagon to rescind its policy to pay for travel when a service member goes out of state to get an abortion. The lack of progress on nominations has prompted Pentagon officials to go on a public relations offensive as the Senate returns to Washington after five weeks away. A Tuberville spokesperson said today there's been no contact with the Biden administration about the holds at the principal or staff level since mid-July. The Senate Energy Committee today held a hearing on artificial intelligence. The committee heard testimony from Department of Energy and AI experts. More from ABC's Jay O'Brien. The DOE governs the United States nuclear arsenal, and they use supercomputers to maintain that nuclear arsenal. So they have these massive supercomputers that use artificial intelligence, but can also be deployed on other things. And so one of the things that this committee is interested in delving into is the notion of how artificial intelligence plays into those supercomputers to make sure those supercomputers computers are used for the right things rather than the wrong things. A lawyer for former President Donald Trump says his client may seek to have the Fulton County election interference case in Georgia moved out of the Fulton County court. ABC's Stephen Portnoy is more. The filing's a pretty good sign that the former president will seek to follow his one-time top aide in trying to move the racketeering case to federal court. Mark Meadows is still waiting to hear if a federal judge agrees that the actions the one-time chief of staff took were related to his role as a White House employee. If the case is transferred, it would still be D.A. Fonnie Willis's team of prosecutors presenting the case, but they'd be doing it before a federal jury drawn from a wider swath of northern Georgia than just Fulton County. Concern for U.S. democracy has prompted the entities supporting 13 presidential libraries dating back to Herbert Hoover to call for a recommitment to the country's bedrock principles, including the rule of law and respecting diverse beliefs. Today's bipartisan statement from presidential centers, foundations, and institutes marks the first time the libraries have joined to make such a public declaration. The statement says Americans have a strong interest in supporting democratic movements and human rights worldwide because, quote, free societies elsewhere contribute to our own security and prosperity here and at home. The statement says that interest is, quote, undermined when others see our own house in disarray. The message urges Americans to respect democratic institutions. The summer of 2023 has already been the hottest on record, and today, 19 states from Maine to California are on alert for extreme heat. More from Dave Packer. It may be September, but temperatures in much of the U.S. feel like mid-July. Dallas could hit 106 degrees today, 97 in Raleigh, North Carolina, 96 in Washington, D.C., 94 in New York City. In Pittsburgh, many schools shifted to remote learning due to the heat. In Philadelphia, schools without air conditioning dismissing students early all week. And while rain and thunderstorms may usher relief in the Northeast, places like Phoenix, Dallas, and Jacksonville could break heat records this weekend. Dave Packer, ABC News. The first day of school is providing challenges for major U.S. cities that are struggling with the influx of tens of thousands of migrants. In New York City alone, public schools have opened classrooms to nearly 20,000 children arriving with parents seeking asylum. Schools could face further challenges in coming months because of a recent spike in the number of families illegally entering the U.S. from Mexico. The increasing number of families means schools will have to educate more migrant children. Despite being overwhelmed for months by the migrant crisis, New York City school officials are assuring parents and community groups the city is prepared to handle the rise in newly arrived students. 
And former That 70s Show star Danny Masterson has been sentenced to 30 years to life in prison. That's after he was convicted of raping two women. More from ABC's Jason Nathanson. Danny Masterson didn't speak as he was sentenced in court Thursday to 30 years to life. Two 15-year life sentences that he'll have to serve back-to-back, not consecutively, as his lawyers had asked for. He was convicted of sexually assaulting three women between 2001 and 2003 at his home in the Hollywood Hills. The victims reading impact statements, all in tears. One describing the severe PTSD and waves of panic she suffers because of the abuse. Masterson's attorneys say they'll appeal.